Second Chronicles 7, 14. Familiar verse of scripture, but let's notice it carefully. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, this, this verse has been used in a lot of different applications, and it has a lot of different applications. We do see healing in this verse, don't we? Now, unless you think he's just talking about some uh, symbolic representation of healing, maybe spiritual healing or whatever, all you have to do is back up a verse or two there and see he's talking about, among other things, drought and pestilence and the enemy attacking. And pestilence means plagues. Disease, yes, if you look that word up, means plagues. And so he's talking about the people being healed from these plagues and from these diseases. So he's definitely including and specifically mentioning physical healing from sickness and disease and plague. But we said that, you know, so many times we'll just emphasize you need to seek God, you need to pray. And then, of course, we faith people, we know about believing God and believing you receive and making your good confessions. And that's certainly all true and all part of healing. But did you notice the first thing that he said that his people were to do when they're in trouble? The first thing. What did he say? Humble yourself. He mentioned that before he mentioned the prayer and seeking God. Isn't that right? Humble yourself. Do you understand that it's possible to pray, to go through the motions of seeking God... To make confessions, etc., and observe faith principles. But if you don't humble yourself, that you can do things from a shallow approach. You can do things ineffectually. And if you want to touch God, you have to reach out with your heart. Amen. Not just your head, but with your heart. God's a spirit. If you're going to touch God, you touch Him with your spirit. You're going to re- receive from Him who is Spirit, you receive with your Spirit. And you must humble yourself. The Bible said over in John, you know, they that worship God must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. Did you notice that phrase, and in truth? I, I tell you, God is a God of truth. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Isn't that right? There is no, no falseness in God whatsoever. Not the least bit of deception, not the least bit of falseness in God. Nothing at all. I tell you, if there's one thing that that stands out to me about the Holy Spirit along these lines, is He is so real. I mean, He is the definition of real. And if you are going to work with Him and commune with Him and receive from Him, you've got to be real. I said, you've got to be real. You've got to be genuine. You've got to get rid of the pretension. You've got to get rid of the falseness. Now, I don't know whether you realize or not, but see, we're talking about pride. If my people will what? Humble themselves. Well, what be the opposite of humbling yourself? Being in pride. I think a lot of times, like we said to you previously, many folk don't really understand what pride is and what humility is. Like we said, there's some folk that they're proud, they're humble. 
So if they're proud, they're humble. Which are they? Proud or humble? They're proud. And what some folk call humility is, is not humility at all. And you could do a whole teaching on that, which is not necessarily my, my emphasis. We mainly want to see how these things relate to healing. Let me just say this to you, that basically pride is believing lies about yourself. Pride is the result of believing lies about yourself. Over in Obadiah, just one chapter in Obadiah, uh, you'll see that he said, The pride of thine heart hath deceived thee. So pride deceives you. If you're in pride, you're in deception. You understand? You're believing lies. And the area of pride focuses in mostly on yourself, you see, and what you have, you and yours. And so you're believing lies about yourself or about yours. Pride and selfishness really go hand in hand. And pride and selfishness are the, uh, is, we could say the combination of the two, is the nature of the flesh. The nature, unfortunately, of your flesh. Now, I knew that wouldn't bless you too much, but you need to know it. Amen. Amen. Somebody said, well, that's not my nature. Well, no, if you're a new creature, your inward nature is love. But your body hadn't been born again. Is that right? You, did you know that your body has the same nature in it that Joe Sinner's body down the road does? Now, I know that didn't bless you much either, but, but uh, it's true. Did you know your body will do anything you let it do? I, I know you're born again. I know you talk in tongues. I know. But did you know if you let it, your body will be a fornicator? Your body will be an adulterer? Your body will be a drunkard? Your body will be a drug addict? Your body will be if you let it. If you, the man on the inside, allow it. That's why you've got to keep your body under. Bring it into subjection. There's a little two-letter word you have to use frequently on your flesh. No. No. Your body says, well, I want to do this. No. No, no, no. Well, yeah, no discussion. That's it. No. Forget it. In my heart, I know that's not right, so no. Your mind, the unrenewed portion of your mind, will want to think on things that it shouldn't think on. And you got to use that word on that, on your mind. No. No, you don't think on that. No, no, you can't feel that way. No. Sometimes folk look at you and say, well, I can't help how I feel. You know, that's a big lie. If they're not your feelings, whose are they? If it's not your mind, whose is it? Well, if it's your mind, you can do what you want to with it. And if it's your feelings, you can do what you want to with it. Now, a lot of folk don't believe that, but, you know, it's up to you. You can yield to wrong feelings, or you can put on the new man. How many know that you can feel lousy, and you can shout anyway? Is that right? Do you have to yield to depression? Do you have to yield to despair? No, you don't. You can feel, like we sit down and say, you can feel like 40 miles of muddy road. 
you can feel lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. You, you can feel down. You can feel low, but you don't have to act like it. You don't have to act like it. You can shout when you feel like crying. And that's being spiritual. Same things too when it comes to walking in love. You can smile and be nice to people and do something good for them when you feel like slapping them down. And that's being spiritual. Somebody said, oh no, no, Brother Keith. See, if you're spiritual, you don't have those feelings. Yeah, and you're mixed up. You know, sometimes people try to leave the impression, well, now, Brother Keith, I've been sanctified. You see, I used to have those old feelings, but I don't have those feelings anymore. I've been sanctified. See, they, they imply that, I, you know, I never have uh, feelings of ill will or animosity or bitterness or aggravation toward people. You see, I, well, friend, as long as you got this flesh, then you are subject to these feelings. Now, the great thing is you don't have to act on them. But you're going to have feelings. Somebody treats you wrong, you're going to have feelings. If things go wrong, you're going to have feelings. Did you hear me? But the issue is not, you know, not that you just think that you, you're not saved because you have feelings. It's what, if you are saved, then you do something with them. You don't act on the wrong ones. Some of those folks that try to act like, well, you know, well, you know, Brother Keith, now I'm sanctified. I don't have those. You'd almost like to do an experiment with them. <laughs> So sit out in this chair. All right. How you feel? <laughs> you ever been slapped real hard? Real hard. I used to do sport fighting. I've been hit so hard in the face that I spit out uh, tooth shavings. That you couldn't see for a good while. It does something to you. <laughs> I know a guy tricked me one time. He, he wanted me to help train him. And he was actually a, a, a real proficient fighter from another place. And he acted dumb and acted like he didn't know anything. And, I, and he messed around with me for a few minutes. And the next thing I knew, he come, when I, I left myself open, I thought, he's a beginner, you know. I'm trying to be nice to him. I left myself open and that guy plastered me. Oh, man, it took me several seconds before I could even see. Hit me so hard. Well, you know, my ears turned red. My fist got real tight. And the ref was in the ring, you know. And, and I said, just a second, just a second. I'll be all right. Just, and, and, and my coach looked at me. He said, no, don't let him back in. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm all right, really. I'm fine, I'm fine. Let me back in. He said, no, don't let him back in. I said, yes, I'll need to go back in. He said, no, you don't. No, no. I said, I'm fine. He says, no, no, no. Let the boy go home. Good night. Because, see, my flesh was saying, you've had it, buddy. You've had it. You've had it. Let me in. Well, they didn't let me in because they knew. You understand what I'm saying? You'll have feelings. And if people hit you with wrong words or they hit you with wrong deeds, you're going to have feelings. But if you're spiritual, doesn't mean, if you're spiritual, it doesn't mean you don't have feelings. 
Do you understand? You know, you're walking in love the strongest, not when you feel wonderful towards people. It's easy to walk in love when you feel wonderful towards people. Oh, yeah. Sinners can treat people nice when they feel wonderful about them. Sinners. You know when you're walking in love the strongest? When, boy, you feel like just flooring somebody. You feel like just writing them off your list. Forget you, bud. Just... You know what I'm saying? You, you, oh, you feel it. But you push those down. That's your flesh. And you let the love of God that's in your heart. In, not in your head, not in your flesh, in your heart. You let that rise up and dominate you. And you act like you love people. Even though you don't feel like it. Now that's being spiritual. Amen. So that's being a hypocrite. No, that's not being a hypocrite. That's being spiritual. Amen. Somebody said, well, I'm sorry, but if I don't feel it, I just can't, I just can't do it. If I don't feel it, I just can't act like that, you know. I just can't. I'm sorry. I, I'm just real. Yeah, real carnal. <laughs> the Bible says, somebody said, well, yeah, but I'm not a put on. I'm, I'm just not a put on. Well, the Bible says put on. Yes. The new man. Yes. That's not being a fake. It's having enough spirituality to not yield to the way you feel, but act out of your heart. Put on the new man. Put on love when you feel like being mean. Put on joy when you feel like being depressed. Amen. Put it on. Put it on. Put it on. God will help you. You put it on and he'll bless you. And here's the wonderful thing. If you'll act in faith and act in love, even though you don't have feelings, if you keep doing it, your feelings will change. And you'll begin to have good feelings and you'll get rid of the bad ones. But you see, you have to start acting before the feelings change. Can you say amen? amen. Well, we could go further into that, but that's, that's not in my notes either. But uh, if my people... The Lord said, which are called by my name shall what? Humble themselves. And so we said to you that through the years of working here at Healing School, we've seen again and again and again the great strong connection between humility and healing. There's such a connection between humility and healing. Yesterday, we studied in detail about the Syrophoenician woman. That either she came to get healing for her daughter. And about how she portrayed humility. How many folk would have gotten offended again and again at different things that she had to make adjustments about. But that she did humble herself at every hand and she left with the blessing. Amen. And, and many times uh, people, when even though they need something, they're really not in position to receive it. God wants them to have it. He's already bought it and paid for it. It's already theirs. But you've got to possess it. And sometimes folks' faith, is, you know, their, their spirit, I should say, and their life and their attitude is not in the proper position to receive. And so there's going to have to be some adjustments. Going to have to make some adjustments in their thinking and in their heart and in their mind to get in a position to receive. And uh, one of the greatest uh, hearts to have that will make that possible is just simply having a humble heart. Because that makes you... 
pliable, teachable, ready to make any adjustments, ready to make any changes, you are humble to receive and to be instructed. You know, I've seen people over the years, like I said, we've been here in healing school for 10 years now, working in these areas nearly every day. And I've seen people come for help. And you're beginning to minister to people, and the Spirit of God gives you something to, to minister to folk. And I've seen people, you know, uh, some folk, you know, you look at them, and a look can say a lot. You know, I don't know if you've been on a platform looking at people before, but it's, uh, it's very interesting. It's very interesting because, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, it would be very, very interesting if everybody's forehead was a TV screen. And you could see what they were thinking, you see. Because people would be on all different channels. And a lot of folk would be flipping through the channels real, you know. They'd be over here and over here and over here. <laughs> and it's very interesting what people think about and what they think about what they're hearing. And sometimes you'll see people, you know, and you're sharing things and you know the Lord's talking to folk about what to do and the adjustments to make. And I've had folk look at me like, well... If I, if I want to, I will. If I don't, I won't. <laughs> so this is America, you know. <laughs> Home of the free. And the proud. <laughs> well, really, really. And then we've had other people come in, and boy, their heart's so different. And Brother Keith, you know, man, I need help. You know, I know I don't have it all together, and that's why I'm here. And man, if something, you know, whatever the Lord gives y'all, I'm ready to go with it. And I'm just, I'm open. Uh, you know, if you know something to help me, tell me. I'm ready. I'm ready to change big time if I need to. Well, I've seen some miraculous things happen with folk like that. I mean, God just, I mean, God move for them. We've already said to you from studying yesterday, who gets the grace? The humble. Remember over in James 4, 6? God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And we've already said to you, you won't be healed apart from God's grace. You won't get free. You won't get blessed. Somebody say, well, well, it's by our faith. Yeah, but there's something that comes before faith. And it's grace. Do you understand? You wouldn't even know about faith if it wasn't for grace. You wouldn't even have the opportunity to have faith if it wasn't for grace. We're saved through faith, but what happens first? By grace through faith. Isn't that right? What came first? Grace. If it wasn't for grace, there'd be nothing to have faith in. And it wouldn't be possible to have faith. Like we said before, I mean, the fact that you're here, saved, filled with the Spirit, enjoying blessings that you are, and in a position to receive more, it's not because you're such a superior human being. Not because you're smarter than the myriads of people necessarily that are out lost. The main reason is what? God's great. God in His grace allowed you to see things, allowed you to understand, allowed you to have revelation, gave you the privilege and you took it. Amen. Amen. And that's the same way we're going to make it on. His grace has brought us this far. And His grace will lead us on. Amazing grace. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. And by God's grace, you can be healed. 
See, it'll help you just to start saying that. By God's grace, everything's going to be fine. I'll receive everything I need to. We're going to have God's best. How? Yes, you must believe God, but don't put all the emphasis on your faith. Did you hear me? Put some emphasis on His grace. You understand? Because see, the, the problem there is if you're not careful, even though you're saying my faith, my faith, my faith, you're talking me, 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 instead of saying His grace, His grace, Him, Him, Him. Yeah, you have a part to play. But the only way you'll be able to do your part is by His grace. Thank God for His grace. And I want more grace, don't you? With more grace, we can do more. We can be more. We can have more. Amen. By His grace. But who gets the grace? The humble. So if you want more grace, what do you need to be? More humble. Amen. If you're humble, you get grace. If you're more humble, you get more grace. But if you're just full of pride, you get no grace. You get resisted. I don't want to be in that group at all. Right? Well, if you need to be healed, you need, you need His grace. You need His grace to see, to know, to say, to believe, to receive. You need His grace. How are you going to get it? God gives grace to the humble. We saw that Syrophoenician woman humble herself. She did, didn't she? Oh, she did. I, I, that's a great example to me. I mean, I, I just like thinking about it. Because, I mean, she, she humbled herself. Things that will send other people home crying and mad. She's still there with the program. I mean, she's, you know, she made the adjustment. She got down. She humbled herself. She lowered herself. She bowed her heart. And she left with the blessing. Now, I want us to go and look at another example today. Over in 2 Kings. You're there not too far from it. How many believe in God with me today? You know how, how good of a session we have is not just all up to me. You knew that, didn't you? It's just partly up to me. It's partly up to you. And of course, unless God does things, nothing happens. But He's faithful. If we'll do our parts. Over in Second Kings, the fifth chapter. Second Kings chapter 5. Boy, I've got a lot of things in my heart. We just, that's why I said, are you trusting God with me? Yeah. Amen. Because it really makes a difference about utterance. But uh, let's think about this situation. This is the story of Naaman the Syrian, who we know was healed from leprosy, which is absolutely miraculous. We know the story how that they had raided uh, some of the land of the Israelites and they had taken a a little maid and she wound up being Naaman's wife's uh, maid. And she said to the woman, she said, you know, would God, my Lord, or, you know, Naaman was was with the prophet that's in Samaria because he would recover him of his leprosy. He would get him healed. Well, that was news to them. And so they, that made such, a, such an impression on them that they went to the king. Of course, Naaman was an important man. He's the, the leader of the military of the nation. 
like the head general, you know, commander of the, the armed forces. And uh, he's a very important man, but he's a leper. And he had an end with the king. And the king sent a letter to uh, the, the king of, uh, of Israel. And uh, he said, I've sent Naaman that you might recover him of leprosy. Boy, the king got bent out of shape. He said, look how this guy's trying to start a fight with me. Do so you think I'm God that I can heal people from leprosy? And boy, they were really upset and perplexed about it. But Elisha uh, apparently knew things by the Spirit of God, you see. And sent word to the king of Israel. He said, uh, why have you torn your clothes? Why are you upset? Let him come to me. And he'll know that there's a prophet in Israel. You know, people so many times look to the natural things of this world. The natural governments. The natural situations. The natural leaders. The natural institutes of higher learning. But I'm telling you, if you really need help and you really need power, you need to go to folks that know God. Is that right? So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Now today, you know, we, we need to think about this. Today, it'd be kind of like uh, some, dig- it'd be, you know, a dignitary, one of the highest dignitaries of a nation, coming to another nation. And instead of, you know, when they say horses and chariots, that doesn't mean too much to us, because, you know, we think, well, that's not that big of a deal. But see, they had the most ornamented chariots. They had the finest horses. It'd be today like, like four or five big limousines coming up to somebody's house with the Syrian flag, you see, waving. I mean, these, these people are important people in their nation, head people. So they all drove up, you see, to the prophet's house. And uh, Elisha sent a messenger to him and said, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall come again to thee, and you'll be clean. And Naaman was wroth. And he went away. In other words, you know, he when that messenger told him that, he probably looked around. I'm sure, see, they're, they're accustomed to having great receptions. These are dignitaries. The big limos pulled up. A guy popped out of one, one door, ran around to the other door, and opened it up. Two or three bodyguards popped out. And here's Mr. Naaman. I mean, he is the commander of the armed forces of a nation. He steps out. There is no big sign that says, Welcome, Commander Naaman. There is no banquet feast. There's no entertainment. Nothing. Just this messenger, this servant comes out, and he says, uh, you Naaman? <laughs> One of the guys said, that's Mr. Naaman to you. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Mr. Naaman. Yes. Is the prophet here? I understand the prophet lives here. The prophet, Elisha. Oh, yes, he's in the house. He sent me down here to tell you, well, I want to talk to the prophet. Well, he said he's not coming. The aides looked at one another. One of them might have spoke up and said, you understand we've come a long ways. You understand that this is an important man. Now, what are we talking about here? That P word. And we're talking about healing. Are you with me? Naaman might have said, the prophet's not coming. 
You mean he's, I'm not even going to get to see him? Nope. He just told me to come tell you that if you wanted to be healed, if you'd go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times, you'd be healed. <laughs> Say what? Go down to the river. You know the Jordan River? Oh, we know the Jordan River. Dip in it. Dip. And dip seven times. Dip, 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 dip seven times. He said, the prophet said, go dip in the river. You'll be healed. The Bible said Naaman was wroth. Now that's worse than mad. That's really mad. That's really hot. And you know, dignitaries can get hot when they're not treated properly. And there are folks that are not even dignitaries. <laughs> but they can really get hot. If they're not treated the way they feel like they should have been treated. <laughs> you know, people get so offended and so mad because they're not treated a certain way. And they don't realize how much pride it is. Well, they didn't even speak to me. Well, they didn't even, even, they didn't even, didn't even introduce me. They didn't even give me an opportunity to say what I wanted to say. They didn't even do this. They didn't even do that. Why should they? Who are you? Well, I'm somebody, bless God, I'm somebody. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm of this, I'm of that. Yeah, but you're leaving out two very, very, very important words. In Him. In Christ. It's all in Him. You take off those two words, you're nothing. You're nobody. You understand? Are you with me? And so, you know, why should they treat you so special? Well, don't they know? I'm so-and-so. So? In Christ, you're somebody. But then so is everybody else that's in Christ. Right? But just because you're, your name and who you are physically and existing in this world, why should people... Do things for you and go out of their way. You know, I have a simple policy that I endeavor to live by in these areas. And of course, I, I'm not telling you I hadn't made mistakes and done things wrong in these areas. You know, we're growing and developing. But I have a simple philosophy that I endeavor to live by. When it comes to what other people, what they do for me, my philosophy is this. Expect nothing and be thankful for everything. I don't know if you understand what I mean by that. I see you could take that the wrong way and you could pull it out of the context that I said it. But I'm just talking about when it comes to people doing favors for me and doing things for me, I endeavor not to expect them to do anything. That way, when they don't do it, you don't get mad. Some of you don't know if you like this or not. I'm telling you, this will help you. This will help you from getting bent out of joint. It'll, it'll help you to keep your joy. Yeah. Keep your peace. Yeah. 
And then if somebody does do something for you, you don't look at it like, well, they should have done that. You're thankful. Hey, somebody did something for me. Praise God. And so you're positive. And instead of being pained and being twisted because somebody didn't do what you expected them to do, you just don't let yourself think like that. You understand? When it comes to this particular area, expect nothing. Require nothing. Be thankful for everything. And that saves you a lot of problems if you can do that. Well, they should do this or they should do that. Who said? Who do you think you are? Sometimes all you got to do is look around. Well, they're not doing it for other folk. Why should they do it for you? They treated this person the same way. Why are you so superior? Boy, it's quiet in here. (laughs) Require nothing. Expect nothing. And then when folk do do something for you, just be glad. Rejoice. You know, that applies also to your spouse. (laughs) Well, they're supposed to do this, and they're supposed to do this for me, and they're supposed to do that for me. Well, we have responsibilities to one another, it's true. But the Christian way is not to put pressure on people. You understand? Don't pull. Don't act like they ought to do it. If you're a grown man, if you're a grown woman, you can do things for yourself. (laughs) Well, she's supposed to she's supposed to cook this for me, and she's supposed to do this for me, and she's supposed to clean this for me, and she's supposed to do this for me. And she don't do it. Well, you're a big boy. (laughs) Cook your own. (laughs) Fix your own. (laughs) Well, he should do this and he should do that. And he should fix this for me. And he should treat me like this. And he should treat me like that. (laughs) You know, people get so warped with some of these things. Oh, this this woman was just, you know, telling me the, you know, the what for on her husband, you know, that he, you know, how long it been since he got her any flowers, how long it been since he'd done this, and how long it been since he'd done that. I just stopped, looked at her, I said, when's the last time you bought him some? <laughs> she looked at me and like, well. <laughs> I rest my case. How is it people get so selfish until they're blinded? All they know is gimme, gimme, I won't, I won't, I need, I need, you should, you should. You understand what I'm saying? And really, uh, the bottom line of some of these things is pride. They think there's something that they're not. They think everybody's supposed to fall all over them. Do this and that for them. And instead of being thankful when people do, they just act like, well, you should have done it. That's a bad heart. heart. That's a bad attitude. You know? Be thankful. 
Be thankful. Let, let me just talk. Let's talk about it from the other perspective. You know, if you get something for somebody. Let's say that this, uh, this sister here is going to give me a present. She brings it to me. And she says, well, you know, this is not much. But I thought I'd give, I'd give you this little thing, you know. And she gave it to me. And I looked at it and I, and I said, yeah, it's not much, is it? <laughs> I said, you know, I, I saw one of them in the store a long time ago. And I, you know, I, you know, thought crossed my mind about getting it. And I said, nah. Okay. Now, will that make her want to run out and get me something else? No. Why? I'm not, I'm not thankful. Right? And when somebody's not thankful, what kind of effect does that have on you as far as wanting to give more to them? No. A lot of times, you know, she might say, well, hey, uh, just give it back. I know somebody else that will appreciate it. You don't want it? Fine. Give it here. You know? But what if, you know, what if you gave somebody something, and it wasn't much, just a little $5 item, you know, you gave them something. And uh, three months later, they say, you know that little thing you gave me? Yeah, man, I like that. That's so nice of you to think about me, you know, and to go to the effort to go to, to, go to that place and get that and spend a little money on me. And I like that. I've used that several times. Thanks. I appreciate that. Well, see, this person has a capacity to appreciate your generosity. And so what does that make you want to do? Give them more. You know, when, you know why you're that way? Because you're made in the image of God. And you know when you're a griper and you're unthankful, how it makes the Father feel? Do you, know, you understand that if you want to develop a capacity inside you to receive more, thanksgiving needs to become a way of life. And you need to practice and exercise thanksgiving even in the smallest things. Did you know that, that uh, griping and complaining are often expressions of pride? I don't know if you made that connection or not. But you show me a humble person, I'll show you a thankful person. You show me a proud person, I'll show you a critical, griper, and complainer. Are you with me? That's one way pride is manifested. There are many ways it's manifested. But pride, is one way it's manifested is through griping and complaining and bellyaching, unthankfulness. And just... You know, thinking, well, they should do that for me. They should do this for me. I should have that. They should go out of their way for me. Even though they don't say it, that's their attitude. That's the way folk act. Begin to cultivate and develop within yourself a lifestyle of thanksgiving. I mean, thank God for every little thing that you think about. I mean, when you wake up in the morning, some of the first things you ought to say is, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for breath and life. Thank you, Lord, for having a good bed to sleep on. Thank you, Lord, for having... I mean, you can always find something to gripe about. It takes no special gift to do that. Sinners do that. So, you know, I've heard people talk about, you know, that they felt like they had the gift of discernment. 
that they could find faults in people, you see. Man, I can discern this is a problem and that's a problem. I discern that's a problem. Sinners have that gift. It's called fault finding. You understand? You know what a spiritual expression is? Is where you can look at a situation and man, it's nothing but problems everywhere you can see. But the spiritual person will look through all of that stuff and find something to be glad and thank God about. And will shout and praise God and thank God over that. It'll look through all the rough exterior and find something to be thankful for. Amen. Being positive and being thankful. Glory to God. Be thankful. Be thankful. You know, you, uh, pride and unbelief is expressed in griping and complaining. And did you notice that pride is expressed in anger? Did you, you notice that with Naaman, didn't you? Anger. And pride is expressed in being offended. Now that's a sly one. You know what you, know what you are when you're offended, don't you? Offended is kind of a, seems like a combination. You kind of, you kind of half hurt and you kind of half mad. You ever been offended? You know, you feel like crying and you feel like somebody has been mean to you. And then you get thinking about it and you get mad and you feel like slapping them. You're offended. Have you ever been offended? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> But so many times, why are people offended? Whether you see it or not, pride. Pride. So many times, why folks get hurt and offended? Well, they didn't treat. Now listen to the way the way it works out, though. They didn't treat me right. They didn't. They didn't do for me what they should have done. Well, they talked to me like that. Me, me, me. How dare them do that to me? think they are treating me that way me 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 you know the bible said that you are to reckon you are to count your old man dead 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 have you ever seen a dead person you know what if you what if we had a dead person right here and, and the casket's open. And they're laying there. They're dead. And, and I walked over and I said, You know, I'm glad you're dead. Because <laughs> you, uh, you're absolutely the sorriest individual I've ever met. <laughs> and ugly too. Man, you're ugly. But you couldn't help it because your mama was ugly. And dull? I think you're possibly the dullest human being spiritually I ever met. Just so ignorant. Pitifully dull. And if I just went on and on, what's that person going to do? Will they get mad? Will they get upset? Will they get hurt? Will they get offended? No. Why? They're dead. They're dead. <laughs> now what if, what if, 
I went over there and I said, you are so wonderful. You know, I thought for sure that you were probably one of those witnesses mentioned over in Revelation. I don't know how you could even be dead. I mean, you're the most wonderful example of a Christian. I mean, next to Jesus Christ, you are the epitome of godliness. And just went on and on. Will they get puffed up in pride? Will they get to thinking more highly of themselves than they are? Will they? Why? Because they're dead. How are you supposed to consider yourself? Dead. And to the degree that you get upset, you get offended, you get hurt, you get mad, to that degree that you are not reckoning the old man dead, you're still living in the flesh, you're still living carnally. And we're all growing, aren't we? I'm not telling you I've arrived. But let's see where we're supposed to be headed for. Let's see what we're supposed to be growing in. And you will have feelings. Sure you will. But when those feelings start to stir you and you start to come up out of that casket to grab that rascal by the throat, you got to get a hold of yourself and you got to grab your flesh and say, lay down, dead man, slam the lid. Amen. Because see, that, that the thing that's motivating, that anger, that offense, that hurt, that being upset, Vexed is pride and selfishness, the nature of the flesh. And you've got to reckon that thing dead. Now notice he said reckon it. If it felt dead, you wouldn't have to reckon it dead. The reason you've got to reckon it dead, count it dead, treat it like it's dead, because a lot of times it doesn't feel dead at all. It feels very much alive. And you've got to grab it, slam it back in the casket. And so you lay down, dead man, you're dead. You are dead. And the more you can do that, the more that if people are mean to you, if they do slight you, if they do ignore you, if they do this, it just rolls off your back. Because you're dead. I mean, don't bother dead people. If you walk in this properly, folk will think you're definitely naive. You know? Because folk will treat you bad. They'll talk about you, you know? And you just go like... (laughs) Then they go, would you look at that poor ignorant person they don't even realize that they were trying to be ugly to them that they said this or that. oh you realize it you're just dead you don't bother dead people this may this may sound funny but you know the further you grow the deader you get But of course, you know, the deader that you can count your flesh, that's the more resurrection life that you're able to walk in from your spirit. Can you say amen? We all want to walk in the resurrection life of Jesus. But you understand that before resurrection there was death. Resurrection occurs when? After death. Amen. Amen. Well, remember Naaman, he's hot. He's raw. You can see exactly why God told him through the prophet to do this. Can't you? Because it put the finger on his biggest problem, which was what? The P word, pride. 
Because see, if he hadn't have been so full of pride, this wouldn't have made him so mad. And it, it's very interesting the way the Lord does things and deals with, with people, isn't it? I've seen it, I've kind of watched and seen behind the scenes sometimes the way the Lord dealt with situations. And man, it's almost amusing. Because God knows just exactly how to let situations work around where that these things get the finger put on them. And you have to deal with them. Because it comes up. He was mad. He jumped in the car. They threw the door. He said, I want out of here now. And boy, they peeled rubber out of, out of uh, Elisha's driveway. And they're roaring down the road at 80 miles an hour. He said, take me home now. Silence in the car. And the Bible said, Naaman, we, we know what he thought because the Bible tells us. He said, surely I thought. That's where folk get in trouble in it. Surely I thought. Behold, I thought. He will surely come out to me. Thought for sure the man would come see me. I'd get to talk to the prophet personally. And he would stand and call on the name of his God. Thought sure he'd come out and pray for me. And he would strike his hand over the place. He'd lay hands on me and minister to me. I thought for sure he would. And he would recover the leper. And besides that, the Jordan River... Man, we got Abana, we got Farpar rivers in our country, Damascus. Man, there's there's so much clearer and better than this river. All the waters of Israel put together. What's that? A little bit of personal pride, racial pride, national pride, pride, pride. Hmm? And it almost cost him his healing. Man, he was close to missing it here. He said, I could wash in them and be clean. What do they think? I never take a bath? If I want to take a bath, I know where to take a bath. I've got rivers a lot better than their rivers. But that, that makes absolutely not one bit of difference when God said, wash in their river. Sometimes God will tell you, he'll give you answers and direction. And sometimes it's not what you want to hear. Because you didn't want to do it with those people. <laughs> you didn't want to do it in that church. I remember Brother Hagin said his, uh, what was it? Uh, I don't remember, one of his relatives. And uh, she had a, uh, uh, some kind of, uh, oh, what was it? What was it? Growth on the side of her neck. Not, not really a growth. Well, it was a growth. Goiter. Yeah, 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 goiter. And, and, and a lot of it was inside the neck. A lot of it was outside the neck. The Lord dealt with him supernaturally to go lay hands on her. And when he did, that part on the outside went down completely. But the part on the inside was still there. And he said the Lord told him to tell her that he had healed the rest of it in the church service there. What was it? That Wednesday night, I think. In the Pentecostal church. So I said, the Lord do something like that? Well, what he didn't know, what he didn't realize, is that she had said defiantly, You'll never catch me down there in that alternate Pentecostal church. <laughs> and what did the Lord tell her? rest of that will be taken care of where? Down in the altar at Pentecostal church. The one you're not going to go to? 
Now, if you, if you don't think that's the Lord, you just don't know him very well. Because I'm telling you. There, there's situations where he'll say, you, you want to be healed? Yeah, go get brother so-and-so to pray for him. Not brother so-and-so, Lord. Yeah, him. Yeah, but Lord, you know, I just don't like him. Yeah, he knows. That's why he said do it. You need to get over some things. Are you listening? Yes. Call for them to come pray for you. Well, I, I don't want to do that. A lot of times you need to ask yourself, why don't you want to do that? What's your problem with it? A lot of times you come back to that P word. That's what your problem is. And like we've said, all of us got to deal with it. I mean, it's part of the nature of your flesh. All of us have to deal with it. It's not something just a few people have trouble with. Everybody. So, so, you know, I, man, I've, I've had that happen to me a number of times because, you know, Brother Hagin hadn't taught these afternoon sessions for some time. And I've been teaching them. And folk, you know, a lot of times make a trip and come out here and they thoroughly expect to see Brother Hagin. And they get here and they see me. <laughs> and boy, you know, I, I think maybe there must be some of Naaman's direct descendants because they say almost the same thing he said. I come to see the prophet. And I've heard people say, I thought surely that the prophet would be there and I could see him personally and maybe he'd call me out personally and lay his hands on me and prophesy to me. And I'd sense the power of God and fall on the floor and, and I'd get up and be healed. So they got it all figured out. But see, that's, that's an aspect of pride too. You want it your way. You got a right to believe for healing, but you do not have a right to tell God how to do it. And you do not have to have a right to say, I'll receive it this way through this vessel. You don't have a right to tell him that. Are you with me? Same thing with your finances, same thing with every area. I, I've seen the Lord minister to people, meet their needs, but they didn't want it, they didn't want to receive it through them. I don't want to see it from them. Are you listening? Amen. We've had to talk to people before, you know. Well, did you pray and believe God? Yeah. Is that what you needed? Yeah. Well, what's the problem? I don't want it from them. I don't want it that way. Well, you know what the next line after that is a lot of times? Do without. Well, I don't, I don't want it, you know. I wanted us to just be able to do this, you know, uh, or that or the other. And see, I thought. I've had situations before where, you know, I've learned that you need to minister in line with what the Spirit of God's leading you to do. Even though something is scriptural and right, yet if the Spirit of God is not in it at that time and leading you that way, you don't need to do it, it'll just be dead. For instance, anointing with oil is right, laying on of hands is right, prayer of agreement is right, prayer of faith for yourself is right, exercising authority over sickness is right, all these things are right. But do you do them all at the same time? What do you do? You need to be led. And see, if the Spirit of God is leading you to go dip in the river, then you can get everybody in their brother's healing line in the country. You can get everybody in their sister to agree with you. You can rebuke and bind until the sun goes down. But you're not going to get results until what? 
until you dip in the river. And it's pride to keep trying to get it to happen the other way. Wanting your way. I want it this way. You understand? I, I remember a while back, the Lord led us to minister to folk in a certain way. We all, the Lord led us to talk about it and teach on it. And we stood up. We took authority over sickness and disease. That's where the anointing was. That's the way the Lord was leading us. But I watched this certain person in the crowd. They didn't cooperate. They didn't do it. And they came up after the service and they said, Well, I wanted you to anoint me with oil. I've had people say, Yeah, but I wanted you to pray with me. I want you to do this. Well, I'm learning though to realize, Hey, you didn't get in on the anointing. Why didn't you? Well, I didn't, I didn't want to do it that way. I didn't, you know. A lot of times people, they don't want to do it with the rest of the crowd. They want special attention. What's that? And I've, I've had things like that happen a number of times. I've had people come up to me before at healing school and hand me a list this long of things I was supposed to do to get them straightened out. Is that for You're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that, you're supposed to do the other, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that, and hand it to me and say, you know, I, I think this is what you need to do to help me. Well, that's, that's not submission. That's not having a teachable spirit, you know. And, and I began to try to talk to them, and they would hardly let me talk. Finally, I don't always talk like this. Most of the time, I don't. But finally, I felt impressed to be a little strong with this person. Felt like they needed it. You know, the Bible said concerning the Lord, hey, with the merciful, he shows himself merciful. With the froward, he shows himself froward. You get smart with God, you're going to get in trouble. You get pushy with him, demanding about your way, well, he can get stiff with you and say, hey, wait, do without. So I, I, I was saying, well, you know, we've been doing this for some time and you're coming in for help. Maybe you don't, maybe you don't need this. Maybe there's some other things you need. Well, I know what I need. I said, well, apparently you don't know as much as you might think because you're here needing help. Are you listening? And I finally had to tell, I've told people before, you know, they just talk, 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 talk. And that's another manifestation of pride. Always having to do all the talking and can't listen. So the Bible said, be quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. So a lot of times people, their main objective is they want you to hear what I think. They don't want to hear. Even when they're supposed to be listening, they're really loading their guns behind their back of something else to say to you as soon as you get quiet. You know what I mean? And I've actually said to some folk before, because I was busy, I had things to do, and, and they're, they're, they're not doing anything that I can help them with, and they said they came for me to help them. And I looked at one person, and like I said, I don't usually talk like this, but sometimes you feel impressed to be a little strong. I looked at one person and I said, do you always do all the talking like this? Made them real mad. But I said, look, we can help you. The Lord is working healing in this place. And I know how and we know how to get you help if you listen and if you cooperate. But you're going to have to come and sit down and be quiet and listen. Instead of telling us how to do everything. Well, I've had folk respond positively. I've had folk call me names as I walked away. But it comes back to that, doesn't it? 
Thank God that we have a we have a story here. This man, they're zipping down the road, you know. One of Naaman's aides spoke up finally after the silence, and he said, "You know, uh, Mr. Naaman, you know we were prepared. We brought all these clothes, we brought all this money and everything. You know, we were prepared. If the prophet had said do some big thing, we were ready. And you know, why not just do what he said? You know, I mean, we came all this way." What would it hurt? We're already out here. Jordan River's just right over here. You know how dignitaries can be. He might have rode along for the minute and said, You know, James, I think while we're out here, I might as well just go on over there. You know, He said, That's an excellent idea, sir. Excellent. I, I think that's good. And so they pulled the limo over by the bank of the Jordan, you see. He had to strip his decorated coat off, pull his decorated garment off. You understand what I'm saying? Strip down to his underwear, basically. Go down in that old muddy river that's an enemy river. You understand? They were their enemies. And dip. Had to humble himself to do that, didn't he? Had to get wet, had to get muddy in an enemy river. He's got mud between his toes. His hair's messed up. He had to dip, come back up. Had to dip, come back up. Had to dip, had to dip, dip. Maybe he had his aide counting on the side, you know. He said, that's just four, Mr. Namath. <laughs> but when he dipped, See, what, I mean, this is such a good picture, because what, what is he doing when he's dipping? He's going down. Can you see that? He's not, he didn't say climb up on the mountain. What did he say? Go down in the river and dip. But when he dipped the seventh time... He came up out of that water and the Bible said his flesh was like a little child's flesh. Clean, pure, healthy. Oh, glory to God. Can you see any connection between humility and healing? Thanks be to God. God gives His grace and He is gracious to those who are strong enough to humble themselves and hear and receive and comply and obey. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, will first of all what? Humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive. And I will heal. Can you say amen? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.